You may be seated, and kids, Hope Kids, are now dismissed. Uh, teachers, if they haven't already left, or be in the back. Parents, you can take your kids to the classrooms around the back. And so uh, our apologies for waiting this long to dismiss them here. Um, let's, uh, you know, I was going to make a joke about how both Michigan and Ohio State both laid an egg in their bowl games, but then, uh, well, we didn't. So, um, so sorry to all your condolences to all our uh, Michigan fans here, but Ohio State did show the, up in the Rose Bowl, and we were happy about that, and that was a fun day yesterday. And so um, just a few things here before I read. We're going to be in John chapter 15, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. It's um, a little bit about where we're heading here this month of January. Uh, I'm excited because uh, over the last year, over a year, uh, we've been, I've been meeting with a group of men in a preaching cohort, and we've been talking about preaching. They've preached uh, sermons to one another and get, gotten feedback and encouraged one another. And so over the next four weeks, this preaching cohort, people from Hope Fellowship, men from Hope Fellowship are going to be preaching. So Sean Adair will preach next week, and we're going to be looking at the prayers and praises of Paul from Philippians and from Ephesians. So two, the next two weeks from Philippians and then two from Ephesians the last two weeks, or from one of the Philippians and Ephesians. I've, I'm getting them mixed up in my mind here. And so, and in the meantime, what we're also going to be doing these first couple of weeks of January is we're going to have two different prayer meetings. Uh, one this coming Wednesday, uh, January 5th, at the church office in the downstairs. Uh, so that's building D and 125. And we'll gather together and we'll pray together and we'll ask the Lord's blessing for this year and seek to encourage one another as we hear scripture read and as we pray corporately together. So again, that'll be this Wednesday, January 5th, and then the following Thursday, January 13th. And so we wanted to do it on Wednesdays and Thursdays, which are when the majority of our mission groups meet. And so we can know that the, the night of the week would be free, at least one of those weeks for everyone. And so we invite you to come and to pray. Bring your kids as well. One of my uh, in most encouraging memories when our kids were young, I was pastoring at a, a church up in Roselle, and we went to a prayer meeting, and I remember Maggie and Molly, probably four and five or so, four and six, uh, sitting there and praying and, and even kind of participating in the prayer meeting. And um, there's an opportunity for our kids to listen to us pray, just as we want them to watch us worship and watch us hear the word and listen to the word and talk about the word. We want to hear that. We want them to listen to prayer as well and God's people praying. So again, that's this coming Wednesday, January 5th, and then January 13th as well. Well, if you have your Bibles open, let me go ahead and read, starting in John 15. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. That's where we'll spend our time. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray together. Father, we want to have the joy of your Son. We want to listen to his words that he speaks to us from your word. We want to acknowledge here before you that we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And so, Father, help us to grow in him this year. Help us to take this time on this second day of the year to quiet our hearts, whatever disappointments from the previous year, whatever anxieties that we're looking towards in this year, all of the ways and all of the things that are on our minds after this holiday season. Father, we pray, would you quiet our hearts? Would you help us to hear you from your word? We thank you for your spirit who uses your word to change us and to mold us and to shape us and to help us to grow and help us obey. And so, Father, we want to be people who have this fullness of joy in your presence. And so, would you work now, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, according to researchers who are beginning to study the effects of the pandemic in our lives, one thing they say that has changed in our lives is our perception of time. Of course, there are, only 300, there are still only 365 days a year and 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week, but how we view, according to them, and how we perceive time and interact with time has changed. They say it's for, due to a few reasons that the, the sameness of every day combined with the relative speed with which everyday normal life just suddenly changed back in March of 2020 as well as the disappointment of life not returning to normal, all combine us, they say, make us feel like we're in some sort of strange time warp. And I don't know about you, but I feel that. And when I sat down to kind of prepare this sermon, I thought, okay, I'm going to be preaching here on the first Sunday of the year in 2022. I started to think back, where was I at the beginning of 2021? And I just kept thinking, I couldn't, it didn't come to my mind, where, where, did I preach on that Sunday? Where were, and finally I realized, and if my parents happen to be tuning into the live stream, all apologies, because we were celebrating their 50th anniversary, and we were down on a special trip in Florida, kind of in that little window when we could travel a little bit last year. But, you know, it, it made me just realize that seems so far. It seems so backwards and so back in the rearview mirror that I don't remember what I was thinking and kind of what I was kind of praying about or even kind of what I was hoping to change in this year. So where in the world did 2021 go? And as we look at 2022, where will we be at the end of 2022? And so I'm just anticipating that this morning you feel that kind of same sort of strange time warp And that it's going to be, when you get to the end of December, December 31st of 2022, and you think back over this year, it's probably going to feel just as time warpy as it has this year. So I'm, I'm just thinking about that. And so I'm thinking, let's just, as we approach God's word today, let's just think about today and this week, and maybe even this month. Let's not try to kind of set kind of this lofty goal for the whole year. 
Let's just say, okay, God, what do you want to do in me today and this week? And what I want us to think about here this morning is one word and one concept. The word is joy, and the concept is abiding in Christ. And both, as you probably heard as we were reading John 15, kind of are right at the heart of this passage. And so look with me at the very end of John 15 again. Verse 11. These things, Jesus says, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So, what's my goal here this morning? What's my main point? You know, so here, here's me last night. I'm preparing to kind of go to bed. I'm thinking about I'm going to be preaching on joy in the new year. This is going to be encouraging. And I go downstairs to the basement and I open up the, the door down kind of into the, like, kind of the, the area with the washers and everything, and there's an inch of water in, the, in there. And it's just kind of continuing to rise and things. And I'm, I'm like, Jen, come down here, help, help. And, and I'm thinking, and as I'm cleaning up the water, I'm thinking, I'm preaching on joy tomorrow. <laughs> what in the world? This is crazy. And, and thankfully, it was just kind of a, a hung-up float in the, um, in the ejector pit, and everything's fine. It's all dry and everything now. But, but it did cross my mind. My goal for myself in this year, in this month even, here is I want to be filled with joy. And there's a trial right there. And so I'm just, I know you're facing similar things, whether they're just kind of mundane, everyday kind of life breaks sort of things like this ejector pit or bigger things that you're facing. So here's, here's my main point. Here's my, our goal here. My goal for myself and my encouragement to you in 2022 is that the joy of Jesus would be in us and our joy would be full by abiding in him. So that the joy of Jesus would be in us and our joy would be full by abiding in him. And so, to be filled with joy today, or this week, or this month, or this year, we need the joy of Jesus to be in us. He says, my joy. So here's how I'd like us to spend our time here this morning. I want us to look briefly at the context of where does John 15 fall within the Gospel of John since we've not been spending time in John. And then I want us to look at four ways that Jesus is saying these things that I've spoken to you, that my joy would be in you. So how does this passage, abiding in Christ, how does that promote joy in our hearts? And I want us to see four ways that it promotes joy. So let's first here spend some time and let's think about, let's think about the bigger context of John chapter 15. And so the John chapter 15 falls within what's called the farewell discourse that happens between John 13 and John 17. And it's Jesus kind of teaching his disciples one final time. He's just washed their feet in the upper room. They've reclined at the table. Judas has already left to betray Jesus. And with the departure of Judas, um, the, the events of the cross are already set in motion. And so if you think about that kind of time, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've kind of been around the, the events of Easter and know kind of the darkness of that night and Judas going out to betray Jesus, the one who had been with Jesus like the other disciples for all of those years. And in the midst of that, after Judas has gone, John 14, Jesus predicts Simon Peter's denial. He calls them to love one another. And he also begins what are the last two of the, what are known as the I am statements in the book of John. You know, Jesus has said about himself that I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. 
I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. And then in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Which brings us to John chapter 15. And Jesus begins John 15, and he says the last of these statements, I am the true vine. He goes on to say later, and you are the branches. And as he goes on with that metaphor, just as the branch abides in the vine and has life, we're to abide and we're to find life in Christ. That's what he wants us to see is we need to be in him, abiding in him, just as a branch is in a vine and that sap and that life is coming from the, brand, from the vine into that branch. But look down again at verse 11. Why is he telling him all these things? He says, these things, so why is, why would I this metaphor? These things, abiding in him as the vine, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So he says, my joy. But again, if we just pull back again for a second and just look back to John chapter 14, Jesus actually tells us three things that belong to him that he wants us to have. And so John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So my peace. John 15, 9, in this passage we're looking at here today, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love. So my peace, my love, and then 15, 11, my joy. So what does Jesus want for you? What does he want for me? What does he want for us that we would understand these three things? My peace, my love, my joy. And really, my peace, my love, and my joy, we could summarize all of the, sum the summary of all of these peace, love, and joy, we can see right at the cross because it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Through the events of the cross and him laying down his life, he brought us peace with God. And we love because he first loved us by laying down his life. And so he wants us to understand my peace. He wants us to understand my love. He wants us to understand joy. And to understand those three things, we need to see the cross in view. But since we don't have time to, to spend, we could spend weeks here just at the beginning of the year talking about peace and love, we're just going to focus here on joy. So let's look back through this passage and let's see all of the ways Jesus tells us about himself so that we can share all the more in his joy. So let's look at four ways and here's the first. We share in the joy of Jesus when we recognize him as the focus of our life and salvation. We share in the joy of Jesus when we recognize him as the focus of our life and our salvation. So again, look at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, in, in all of these I am statements, Jesus is giving metaphors. He, and he's not intending for us to think of a literal I am the way, the truth, and life. That we're to not think of a literal road or a literal gate or bread or shepherd. 
but he's using these pictures to communicate truth about himself. And the danger of any of these metaphors is that we have the temptation to kind of push them beyond what we're intended. So we think like, what do we know about grapes? And what do we know about vines? And what do we know about kind of a vineyard and all these things? And, and sometimes that's helpful, but a lot of times when he's just giving these just small little word pictures, he's wanting to communicate a truth. And what he's wanting to communicate when he's talking about himself here, not only is that he is the source of life, that's true, but also when he's talking about himself as the true vine, what it would have done in those disciples' minds and in the minds of a Jew or ears of a Jew who was listening is they might have gone back to the Old Testament and they might have remembered how constantly Israel is referred to as the vineyard of God or the vine of God. But this vine in the Old Testament, Israel, consistently is shown that they fail to produce fruit. So it's a barren vineyard, it's a barren vine. It's not producing. So think of this, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah writes, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and he hewed out a wine vat in it and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. So when Jesus states, I am the true vine, he's not simply making the point that he's the source of life. He is the source of life, the only source of life that we can have. But what he's also making the claim is that he's now the focus of salvation, the plan of salvation, that though Israel failed, he will succeed. Though Israel did not show itself to be true and fruitful, Jesus will show himself to be true, the true Israel and the fruitful Israel. He will be faithful when they were not, and he will bring blessing to those who are connected with him as the true vine, as the true one who is giving life. And so we could summarize it like this. If someone wants eternal life, if they want spiritual life, they have to be connected to Jesus. So how do we connect that truth then that Jesus is teaching to joy? Now, what we can do is we can start to say kind of what is it in our world that promises us joy? And we probably wouldn't even use, or people around us and our neighbors and friends at school, they might not use the word joy. They might say kind of what makes me happy, which is decidedly different than joy where happiness oftentimes comes from circumstances. And, and happiness and the promise of happiness, it's only for a limited time. You know, the temptation to sin is the promise of happiness, and it's the promise that never quite delivers. But even in the best case scenario, even if we get all that we want and our life just kind of goes according to plan, which honestly, I've met very, very few people that that's the case. But even if that were the case, it's only for this life. Because this life is 60, 70, 80, maybe you're Betty White and you live to 99, But then everything is over. You know, so whether a person has happiness through billions of dollars or they never found that happiness in wealth, whether they found happiness in a family with extended family and grandkids and on and on, or they never found that happiness and they felt very lonely, 
The only true promise of lasting joy comes from finding true life in Jesus alone. And this joy is going to last for all eternity. So we have to connect in our minds that Jesus is the source and the focus of our life and salvation, and that's where all joy comes from. That is the spring from which joy comes up so it can overflow in our lives. So that's kind of the the foundation point. So let's look at the second thing here. We share in the joy of Jesus when we welcome the pruning of the Father in order to be more fruitful. We share in the joy of Jesus when we welcome the pruning of the Father in order to be more fruitful. So Jesus says there, again, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might be more fruit, it might bear more fruit. And so the Father is then seen as the one who tends to the true vine. He's the, the one, the gardener. He's ensuring that every branch is fruitful. And it's stated in the form of an absolute. If a branch doesn't bear fruit, it's taken away. Because if a branch doesn't bear fruit, it's not really a true branch. It's not really a part of the vine. It's never been connected. But if it is connected, it's pruned so that it's even more fruitful. So that's a sense of a promise there that if you're connected to Christ, the Father is going to prune you so that you are going to become more fruitful. And my guess is, when we think about pruning, I'm pretty sure the first thing that we think about is, is kind of maybe in a, like a painful sort of way in the sense of like the trials that God's allowing to enter into our life and is using to kind of shape us kind of a la kind of Hebrew, the book of Hebrews, that he disciplines us and he's doing it for our good in order that we might be more fruitful. And that's certainly true. God does use circumstances and he does provide opportunity. He's faithful to put us in situations where we regularly feel over our head in order that we might see that we are dependent on him. We're in Christ. That's where a source of all our life comes from. But, But I think actually here in this passage, the next verse, verse 3, helps us to understand where Jesus is going right here. Look at verse 3. He said, because it seems like it's out of left field. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now, the word, this is one of these rare instances where um, Greek really helps if you're kind of seeing it in Greek because the word for clean and the word for prune both have the same root. And it has to do with cleansing or cleaning. And so the point is, the instrument, I think, the, the point is, the, the instrument that the Father uses to prune is the word itself. Already I've spoken to you this word and you are clean. It's because the Father is using the word of God like his, his kind of little snippers that people would use to prune a rose bush or a, a tree in order to make it more fruitful or a vine. And so he's using the word of God. And so if we want to be pruned and to be more fruitful, we need to, in a sense, yield to the word of God and see what do you have for me in your word that you want to use to help prune in order that I might obey and that I might live and that I might listen and do and all these things according to your word. So how do you see, if you're you're asking the question, I look back in my life this year and, oh, last year, and I wonder, was I growing at all? How, how do I see increasing f- spiritual fruit in my life? 
Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Kind of like what we looked at when we looked at the book of Galatians. How do I see that? I think we have to make that connection in our mind. It comes through, it uses, the, God uses his word in order to make us more fruitful. And so if you want to grow in fruitfulness, emphasize God's word. Look, don't just kind of think like, okay, I need to read through the Bible this year because that's what I think people should do is they should read through. So it's January 2nd, so I should be in Genesis chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. But the reason why we come to God's word isn't just to check a box or to say that we read through the whole Bible. It's because we recognize I need this. And God's going to use it to, to shape me and prune me because he's going to bring me face to face, almost like I was reading a mirror, and help me to see, this is what I need. Here's where I'm off base. Here's what I need to continue in in order to grow. And so we need to make this connection with joy. So what's Jesus say here? He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. So if you want my joy, Jesus' joy, you need to listen to what Jesus says. And so it's Jesus shaping us through his word. You know, maybe we could just say it kind of succinctly this way. You want, if you want the joy of Jesus, you need the word of God flowing powerfully in your life. If you want the joy of Jesus, if you want to grow in joy, you need the word of God flowing powerfully in your life say it negatively, to neglect the word is to neglect joy. To neglect the word is to say, I don't need my joy, Jesus' joy. So next though, that's, that's the second thing. We share in the joy of Jesus when we welcome the pruning of the Father in order to be more fruitful and that comes through his word, it's his instrument. Third, here, we share in the joy of Jesus when we abide in him to bear fruit. So look again at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. So just listen to that absolute. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so to abide, it's to remain, or it's to continue. It's a, it's a really common word. If you're a branch... The only way to have fruit and to have life is to remain or abide in the vine. If you're cut off and you're just kind of laying out in the field, you're no longer going to have life. We, we see that clearly. We don't, we're, we're burning firewood that's no longer connected to the tree with the root and the sap and the life of that. And so abiding, then, is the ongoing life of faith or devotion resting in Christ, trusting in him. It's, Jesus said to Andrew Murray, uh, he wrote a great little book called Abiding in Christ. It's a little classic devotional, 31 devotions. If you're looking for something, it might be something really kind of good to start out this new year. Um, but he, he wrote, he kind of puts in his very first devotional, he makes the connection. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me. And then he says in John 15, abide in me. And so he doesn't just say, come to me, and then just kind of go off and leave. He says, the, the command is, come to me, and what he means by come to me is, stay with me, walk with me, be with me. You know, so when I've, when I've explained this passage in the past, 
I've, th- I've tried to think of like, what are other ways we could understand this concept of abiding or remaining? And, you know, we could think of like kind of the old-timey scuba divers who kind of jumped off the boat and they had that hose coming out of the big metal head that they had and they'd walk along with their weighted feet on the bottom of the ocean. And, and the whole time they were there, they were connected to the air of the surface. And to, to kind of unconnect would disconnect would mean they would no longer have that air in that life. They would die. Without that air, they would not have hope. Now, I think that's a good picture of kind of connection to something in order to remaining in it so that we can continue to have life. But I think what we naturally think in our minds when we start to think about life in Christ is we kind of think about it almost like a kind of refill, like kind of scuba tank that like, okay, I'm going to come to you, Jesus, kind of fill up my tank, and then I'm going to go off on my own and kind of do what I want, and then I'll kind of realize, oh, I don't have any more air. I, oh, I need Jesus. I'll come back to you. You fill it up again, and then I go out. And that's not the picture that he's giving. It's a constancy of remaining in him. And so when we start thinking about abiding in Christ, we have to think it is a daily, moment by moment, my hope comes because I am in Jesus. The only reason I have hope, the only reason I have salvation, the only reason I can have true joy is because my joy comes from his joy. And so, in this way, we don't just believe once and then move on to higher and more important things. To abide in Jesus is to continually come back to him and trust in him. Here's how J.C. Ryle said it. He said, Here's the direct instruction that our Lord desired that his disciples receive. Abide in me. Cling to me. Stick fast to me. Live the life of close and intimate communion with me. Get nearer and nearer to me. Roll every burden on me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go of your hold on me for a moment. Be, as it were, rooted and planted in me. So, so how do we connect this with, with joy, abiding and joy? How do we have the abundant joy of Christ? Like J.C. Ryle said, we, we cling to Jesus. We stick fast to Jesus. We draw near to Jesus. We have communion with Jesus. We get nearer to Jesus. We roll our burdens that are too heavy for our back and we roll them onto Jesus. We lean wholly on Jesus. We never let go of Jesus. We stick right by his side and we walk beside him knowing that he is walking with us. And so let me just ask you a question here at the beginning of 2022. What do you fear in this coming year that might make you tempted to cling to something other than Jesus? What's on your mind? What do you fear in this coming year that might make you tempted to to look for something else to hold on to besides Jesus? Is it political upheaval or kind of financial upheaval in our markets? Is it war? Is it family problems? Financial stress? Is it loneliness? Is it COVID? No, here's the thing. Something rattles every single person in here, including myself. There's something there that when we kind of let our minds start focusing on that, we start to get a little rattled. And we, we start to kind of look for something to cling on to that's going to seem like this is going to give me hope and this is going to give me joy. 
Kind of almost like a, a safety blanket, just like little kids might grab onto that. So here's what we can say. No matter what 2022 brings, no matter what, abiding in Christ is the only answer to joyfully get through and live each day. No matter what happens, abiding in Christ is the answer. Walking with him, coming to him. Because he has my joy and he wants his joy to be our joy. And if that's the case, then his joy isn't dependent on circumstances because he has all authority in me. And so he has all authority. And so we can know his joy is a lasting joy. Well, here's the, the last thing I want us to see here this morning from John 15, how we can share in the joy of Jesus. We share in the joy of Jesus when we bear much fruit and glorify the Father. Now, there's a lot that could be said here because he starts talking about obedience and starts talking about abiding in my love. But we could just kind of boil it down and say, we share in the joy of Jesus when we bear much fruit and glorify the Father. So listen again to verses 8 through 10. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So there's something that our fruit that we're bearing is proving kind of assurance of our discipleship. As the Father has loved me, verse 9, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So here's the quick connection I want you to make. When you obey God, it's a fruit or it's an evidence of God's work in your life. It brings assurance. Obedience, sometimes we can kind of think of obedience in a negative way because we talk about grace a lot and we want to continue to emphasize grace that we're justified by faith alone. It's not by works. It's not by something we do or bring to God. And so we're not bringing our obedience to God and saying, now therefore accept me. But when we do, when we are accepted by the Father because of Jesus' work, there is a call to live our lives in light of that is his love for us. I, we, he loves so that we might love in the return and then we can live our lives in obedience. And, and so this obedience, it's a fruit, it's an evidence of God's work, it brings assurance and assurance for his love for us promotes joy. So obedience actually can be promoting joy so long as we're not depending on the obedience in our own effort, but we're recognizing, like, like look, here's the connection we need to make. Connect verse eight back to the beginning of the chapter. Because verse eight says, we glorify the Father when we bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. But the connection back to verse two is striking. Verse 2 is, the Father is committed to pruning us so that we bear much fruit. And so he's committed to pruning us, and so the life that we live, where the fruit comes from, is something that God is committed to doing in us. He's working in us. We're yielding to him, and we're seeking to live and abiding in Christ, and then we're producing fruit, and that fruit glorifies the Father. It's this kind of cyclical pattern, but it's all dependent on God's work in us. It comes from the life that's in Christ, and it comes from the work of God in, in pruning us and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. 
And so we prove to be his disciples, not in a boasting sense, but in, not in our own effort, but because we're relying on his work for us. And so we could say, then the connection to joy is, the joy of Jesus is enjoyed to, by those who seek to obey him by faith. That obedience in this light then produces joy because it's our joy to be able to live in a way that we know brings honor to the Father and is in accordance to the way Jesus is teaching us to live. And this kind of call is, is not just a joy deferred. So, so sometimes we could think about, wow, heaven's gonna be really joyful and awesome, but it's gonna really stink here. But that's actually not the picture. That just like Psalm 1611, where we began our service and where we'll end our service in the benediction, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. We can have his presence because he dwells in us by his spirit, and so we can have this fullness of joy now. And one of the ways we enjoy him is by living according to how he's calling us in, in obedience. So someday, though, we're going to be done with this life. We're going to stand face to face with him and we're going to have complete, unabated fullness of joy forever and ever and ever. So you might not even remember back to the beginning of 2021. You might not remember your state of mind there. It might seem so distant, and your resolutions are so far in that rearview mirror that you couldn't even possibly go back and get your, your mindset kind of back in your, your mind. And so the call then today is start afresh today. Hear that Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy and run to him for that fullness of joy. You're not just allowed near him. He doesn't just put up with you in his presence. He wants you near him. He calls you to come to him and he gives you life in him and to remain and abide in him. That's our call and that's the source of all of our joy. And so let's that have that fuel us in 2022. Let's pray. Father, as we said, every single person here is struggling in some way. There is some fear in our hearts that rattles us, that we think about or we watch the news or we hear from friends or all of the things that potentially could just knock us off uh, the, the seeming balance beam of life so easily. Father, we thank you that we can walk with you because we are in you by being in your son. We have fullness of joy in him. And so, Father, would you help us as a congregation as we think about prayer and praise, as we pray for our nation and our world, our community, Father, would you help us to be people who radiate joy? And that just as Romans says, the kingdom of God does not consist of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this gift. May we exhibit this joy for your glory. And all God's people said, amen.